KHP, Patreon exclusive, 001, Henry. My name is Henry Michaels. I was a pastor for a small church near Tylertown, Pennsylvania, for almost 30 years. At the time of this story, I was 58 and living with my wife, Evelyn. Today, I am almost 80 and feel this story needs to be told before my passing. I have been unable to explain the events that occurred and have been looking for answers ever since. It was October in the mid-1990s. I had been working on a sermon for the upcoming Sunday service. Evelyn and I lived in the church parsonage, located a few miles away from the church. It was a small white farmhouse, built on a hill, surrounded by woods in the 1930s. The church had the house donated to them by one of the members in their will after passing away. The church decided rather than sell the property, they would repurpose it into a home for their congregation leader, saving on rent they paid to people in town. I recall the weather that day was rainy. The forecast was a rain that would taper as night came. I would walk from the parsonage to the church if the weather allowed throughout most of the year. It would save money on gas and allow me to maintain my weight fairly easily. I took the opportunity and walked home, enjoying the sunset and walk through a patch of woods and a field, one of the last times before the winter snows made it unbearable to walk the distance without becoming cold. I remember looking at the leaves of the trees as I walked and marveled at the last remaining leaves on the branches, the last survivors of a fight against Mother Nature. God had made everything and had a purpose for it. Those leaves were there to remind me to hold on regardless of the pressures of the outside world. At least that's what I believed back then. In order to see as much of nature as I could, I'd been taking a path through a large grove of trees. I could take the main road around the grove, but it would add an extra half mile and unneeded time walking in the dark. I broke off from the highway onto a lightly traveled trail that I had worn in over the years walking from the church to the parsonage. I remember the woods seemed slightly eerie that night as a thin fog was beginning to materialize in the woods around me, my flashlight's beam catching the mist as it rose. I walked through the thickening fog until I heard some noises in front of me. I stopped and waited. Three deer slowly made their way out of the brush on one side of the trail and into my sight. They meandered their way across the trail until they caught sight of me. Their white tails stood up once spotting me, and they bounded out of sight. I continued walking as the fog became thick, thick enough that it was becoming hard to see more than a few dozen feet in front of me. Having walked this trail more than a few hundred times, I knew where I was going fairly well, regardless of fog or line of sight. My flashlight eventually stopped illuminating trees and began illuminating rows of wheat in Brad Little's field. Brad had been a bit reluctant to let me walk his field, but after some convincing, I was allowed to walk the edge where I won't damage crops. I must have made it. I would guess a little over halfway through the field before I caught sight of a light in the dense fog, bobbing in front of me from left to right. I walked down the edge of the field, getting closer to the orb that was still moving. This wasn't the first time I had seen a light like this. Miners cut through the woods and the fields to get to town quickly from Brown's mining operation. I decided to keep my mouth shut as not to startle the miner who probably thought they were alone in this dense cloud and continued walking to my destination. After keeping my eye on the light for a few minutes, I noticed that it was moving very slowly much slower than a person walking. I saw the person's silhouette illuminated by the light as it bobbed around, slightly lighting him up at times. This guy was tall, over six foot, but pretty skinny judging by the glimpses I saw of him. Maybe he was hurt or even lost. I called out with an, Are you okay? At the sound of my voice, the light stopped bobbing around and turned directly to face me. I remember the light cut through the fog better than I expected, almost blinding me with its brightness. I was about to scold him and tell him to shut off the light when it went out. As my eyes adjusted, I could barely make out the shape of the person in front of me, standing and staring at me. We must have stared at each other for about 30 seconds, me waiting for him to say something, and him not moving at all. Suddenly, I lost all vision as a multitude of lights, brighter than the one he had on his head, illuminated at once. I had to lift my arm over my eyes and step back a few steps to regain my balance. 
When I went to try and look back at the bright lights, they were gone. I didn't see the man in the mining helmet either. I decided to continue on my walk home, a bit quicker than I had just been going beforehand. As my eyes stopped seeing bright spots and adjusted themselves back to normal, it seemed to be darker out. I assumed that it was my eyes still being affected from all the bright lights. When I arrived home, Evelyn was sitting on the living room sofa. She asked me where on earth I had been. I told her that I had left before dark and came straight home. She didn't seem to believe me. She pointed to the clock, which read 11 p.m. It had taken me almost five hours to walk home. That had to be the wrong time. It's impossible that it took me an extra four hours to walk home. I ate dinner and went to bed, trying to figure out what happened to four hours of my life. A couple of days later, I was working on some final notes for a sermon that was coming up later that week. I remember the message being something about Noah's Ark. Evelyn was washing our heavy winter sheets to prepare for the upcoming winter. I was just finishing up the notes when I heard her call for me. Walking down into the basement, I saw Evelyn with two full laundry baskets. One was full of obviously wet bedding. The other was being put into the washer by Evelyn. I grabbed the basket of wet sheets and carried them outside to begin hanging them to dry. I had to make sure the sheets were secure with multiple clothespins as the wind was becoming blustery and threatened to take the sheets right off the line. As I was in the process of hanging the load of laundry, I heard a sound from behind me. It almost sounded as if someone had cleared their throat. I turned around to see who was there. I didn't see anyone. Just the sheets blowing around wildly, blocking my view at times with nothing but colored cloth. I bent down to grab the last sheet and heard a large branch break near the edge of the woods, which was roughly a hundred feet or so from me. I stood up and began scanning the woods, looking for a deer or some other animal that could make the noise. I was trying to look far back into the darker parts of the brush that was in front of me, constantly having to move my head as the sheet would blow up into my vision every few seconds. I found myself staring back at someone. They were partially visible as they were peeked out from behind a tree. I looked at the person for a few seconds as I moved back towards the house. The person had dark brown hair, thin arms that seemed to be too long for a normal person, and pale, dirty skin. The skin wasn't a regular shade of pale, though. This was almost a grayish blue, like dead bodies I had seen in Johnson's funeral home. The person's eyes were very dark brown, almost blending into their pupils to make them look much larger than they were. Looking into the eyes of the person gave me a feeling of fear, anger, and hate like I had never felt in all my life. It felt as if they wanted to hurt me, kill me, end my existence in any way possible. These thoughts pushed into my mind from an outside influence. These were definitely not my own thoughts. Once I was halfway to the house, I turned and ran inside as fast as I could. I ran up to my bedroom and grabbed the shotgun from the closet, loading two shells into it. I ran back downstairs and into the yard, stopping just a few feet outside the door, standing still and trying to catch my breath and slow my heart. I looked over to the area that I had seen the figure. There was no sign of them to be seen. I stepped back into the house and locked the door, telling Evelyn to use the dryer on the last load of sheets. I called Will Matson, the town sheriff, up to my place after talking to Evelyn. It took him about a half hour to arrive, but eventually he did. We talked about what I had seen and felt staring at this person. He asked me if there was anyone who would have any ill will against me, Evelyn, or the church. I couldn't think of anyone that we had knowingly wronged in the past that would harbor a grudge against us. After a few more questions and a cup of coffee, Will got up, telling us that they would send an extra patrol around every few hours to drive by the place, and that they would keep an eye out for anyone matching the description that I had given them. I walked from the house to the church as often as possible, but I carried my snub nose with me in case I encountered the man again. It was early November now. Snow had fallen the night before, and I walked through the light dusting on the ground to the church. I decided that this would be the last walk for the year before too much snow had fallen to stop my walking. I finished writing my sermon and looked outside into the parking lot. A light snow was falling onto the lot, covering the ground that had melted off during the day. 
The sky was just beginning to change colors as I began my walk. I left the church, wearing a heavy jacket with my revolver hidden in the inner pocket. A cool breeze was blowing, causing all the leafless trees around me to sway. They creaked and groaned as I stepped off the road and began into the woods. Walking along the trail, I heard a sound in front of me. I stood still, looking hard into the woods for a figure that may be looking back at me. I saw movement from the edge of the trail and I slid my hand into the jacket pocket, wrapping it around the handle of the gun. Three deer stepped and walked slowly across the trail. As they caught sight of me, they bounded off quickly into the woods and out of sight. I continued walking until I stood at the edge of the field. I stopped, taking a few deep breaths before walking forward. The hard ground in the field crunched under my feet as it was compressed. I walked a bit further in the field than normal, as it had been harvested the week before. Walking between the rows of chaff, I had a great line of sight from the woods to the other end of the field, and it made me feel a little more secure. When I was about three-quarters of the way through the field, just within sight of my house, I began seeing a light come from out of the woods. I reached my hand into the pocket of my jacket, gripping the pistol tightly. My breath became jittery and uneven with fear. The light floated through the woods, being blocked by trees every few seconds. I waited, hoping that this was not the figure from last time. I heard from the darkness, in the direction of the light, Hello, Pastor Michael. A sigh of relief escaped me as I recognized the voice of Patrick Krasinski, returning from the mines. We exchanged pleasantries, and he continued walking from the field towards his home, and I walked towards mine. As I walked away from Patrick, my mind was racing. These events were almost identical to the ones from last time. The deer, the light in the woods, the only thing missing was the fog. I opened the door of my house and saw Evelyn on the chair, reading her book, same as last time. I looked at the clock, 7.15. No loss of time. That weekend, Evelyn was cleaning the summer sheets after replacing them with the winter ones. I was putting the finishing touches on my upcoming sermon notes. Thanksgiving was only a few weeks away, and I was going to give a sermon about the thanks we should have for God, for the things he provides us, and the book he has given us. I wouldn't thank him today if I had the chance. I heard Evelyn call from somewhere in the house. I knew it was time to hang the sheets she had just washed on the outside line. Outside, where I had seen that thing the last time I did this. I grabbed my shotgun and loaded some buckshot into it and set it by the door before going to grab the laundry basket from the basement. As I crossed one of the windows, I saw that the laundry had already been hung. The sheets billowed in the cold breeze that was moving through the hillside. Shotgun in hand, I walked to the basement and found that Evelyn was not there. I closed the basement entrance to the outside and walked upstairs. After some looking, I found her in the guest room, lying on the bed, reading a book. I entered the room, and she looked up from her book. I smiled and asked, Evelyn, did you just call for me a few minutes ago? No, Hank. I've been reading this book for the past hour or so. Did you hear me yell for you? She said with a slight look of confusion on her face. I thought I heard you. I thought you wanted me to hang the sheets outside. I would have done it if you asked. I said a slight bit of annoyance in my voice. Hank, you did hang the sheets, she said matter-of-factly. No, I didn't, I said, objecting. I've been writing my sermon notes since three. Well, I called for you and you came in from outside. I unlocked the basement door for you, remember? You told me you were pruning some of the plants around the house for next year. She said with an inflection in her voice like she thought I was stupid for forgetting. Wait, I came in from outside? Did I say anything else? Do anything strange? I asked, trying to remember doing something. Anything like what she was saying I did. No, you just smiled and took the laundry and went outside, she said, trying to remember any extra details. That wasn't me, Evelyn, I said with a bit of fear in my voice. What do you mean, Hank? How is it not you? Evelyn said, a slight panic rising from my sudden change of tone. I promise you, I was writing notes. 
I've never pruned a bush in my life, Evelyn. Why would I start now, in mid-November? I said, walking out of the room and looking out the windows. I walked around the first floor of the house, looking for any sign that I had done something different than I remembered. The only thing out of place was laundry on the lines. I walked to the living room window that faced the clotheslines and looked out. Sitting against one of the poles was a set of pruning shears, shears that we did not own. I yelled for Evelyn to come look at the shears. She came out of the room and I pointed to them. We don't own garden shears, Evelyn. I walked to the kitchen and grabbed the shotgun where I had left it on the counter. Walking around the house, I made sure every window and door was locked. I made sure the basement was dead bolted and latched. As I closed the latch, I heard a sound from the other side of the door. It sounded like a footstep, but as if it were dragged. I walked to the second floor and went to our bedroom, and I looked out the windows. I saw nothing in or around the yard. I waited nearly an hour, looking in all directions of the house. Evelyn was preparing dinner without worry as I remained a century of our home. I walked downstairs, kissed her on the cheek, and went into the living room. The sheets stopped blowing in the wind, and everything had a strange calmness to it. I heard a few pots and pans clink behind me as Evelyn moved about, but other than that, there was nothing. I walked back to my study, hoping to write for a few more minutes before dinner. I looked out my window, at the woods, the yard. Something in my brain snapped. I felt it, the same feeling that I had when that thing was standing on the edge of the woods looking at me. My eyes seemed to shift and refocus for a second. Suddenly, my brain registered what I was looking at. Peering out from the side of the window, only inches from me, was a face only half visible as it was hidden behind the wall. I jumped back, dropped my gun, and fell on my ass. I looked on in silent terror as I watched myself. Not me, but what looked like me, step across the window, almost seeming to change before my eyes into something else. It stopped a little off-center of the window, half transformed into this strange thing with pale gray skin, tall in some areas, shorter in others, crooked and lopsided. It smiled at me and opened its mouth. Hank, can you come and help me with the laundry? Is what it said in Evelyn's voice. As it began walking away, that's when I started screaming. I remember coming back to consciousness mid-sentence with a nurse. Evelyn had heard me scream and fall, and came running to find me unconscious. She called an ambulance, scared that I may have had a heart attack or hurt myself during the fall. I remember I was telling the nurse that I needed to get home and find myself. Evelyn was sitting in the corner of the room on a chair, looking panicked. I turned and asked her what had happened. She explained how she had found me and called the ambulance. She said I was mumbling something about someone talking to me and needing to protect us from me. The doctors did quite a few tests on me, had me go to a psychiatrist for an evaluation, and I explained what I had seen to them. A fit of temporary insanity is all they could muster as an explanation. It frustrated me. I knew what I had seen. I knew I had heard it speak using Evelyn's voice. I lost my faith the day I saw that thing in the window. I tried to continue my work for the church, but my heart wasn't there. My faith had failed me. How could God let something that vile, with the ability to put thoughts of hate, anger, and sadness into another person like that? It sounds crazy, but the thing I saw had to be something not from this planet. I spent the last couple of decades trying to figure out some sort of explanation for what happened, and this is the only conclusion I can come to. I think the order of events happened like this. That night, when I was walking home and saw that thing with the light, it must have been some sort of scout, pathfinder, or someone that left the group and went alone to see if it was safe. The light I saw was some sort of headlamp or something on whatever this creature was wearing. The giant flash of lights was either the ship taking off or me being taken and having God knows what done to me for four hours. That would explain the missing time. Next would have been when I saw it in the woods on the edge of the yard. It had been taking on the shape of someone. Probably me, but I just didn't recognize it because of how little I had seen of it and how far away it was. During that time when we made eye contact over the billowing sheets, it was manipulating my mind, probing it to learn about me 
learning how I spoke, how I walked, what the layout of the house was. I guess a side effect of the probing was the feeling of anger, hate, sadness, and everything I had felt at once. When I saw it in the window, it used Evelyn's voice, pulling from a memory I'd found of me hearing her yell for me. It probed my mind some more at that point. What it was looking for, I don't know yet. It seemed to be shifting, back to the form I had seen in the fog as it spoke to me, breaking my mind for a few hours. Maybe it knew that that would happen, and it would ensure a safe and easy escape for it. When I returned from the hospital, I had gone to where that thing had been standing. Spread out on the river rocks I had along the side of the house was this strange substance. It reminded me of snot, mucus. It was the consistency of that, but it was black like coal. It didn't melt the rocks or cause damage to anything, just this strange slimy stuff sitting where it had been. Maybe it hurt itself and this was its blood. Maybe it was a remnant left over from the transformation. I honestly have no idea. Evelyn said that I wasn't myself for about a month after the event. They had a guest preacher come in for the holiday months and preach while I recovered. She said that I would just sit in the corner of the bedroom, shotgun across my lap, staring at the window that overlooked the yard. She couldn't get me to eat or drink anything during these times. She said that maybe they'd last a few minutes to a few hours. I don't remember them happening. Maybe I did go insane for a while. Maybe that thing really did break my brain. We had to leave the farmhouse, obviously. I had lost my faith and was unable to lead the church. We moved out of the area shortly after. You never fully recover from something traumatic like that. It takes a piece of you forever. I eventually found a job at a factory that covered our expenses. For years, I would be on edge if I was near a wooded area, or scared to look at myself in the mirror and see myself shift and morph how that thing did. Evelyn supported me as best she could until she passed about seven years ago. I wish it could have been me instead of her. I put her through so much. I still watch over my shoulder for something behind me when I go anywhere. I scan the horizon. I scan crowds looking for myself, preparing to see me staring back at me. I never had another experience after seeing it in the window. I guess it was just trying to play with me, scare me, break me, and it succeeded. I'm an old man now who still fears the outside every day, afraid that I may see myself looking back.